Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, the general manager of the Manitoba Wheats and Barley Growers Association will weigh in on the seed variety use agreement pilot program that was announced this week. Also, we'll have details on the fourth supercluster announcement made by Protein Industries Canada. And up first in today's country comment, I'll chat with Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 90 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. It's been almost one year since China started its ban on Canadian canola seed. The Canola Council of Canada is calling on the federal government to resolve the dispute and to support industry diversification efforts. Here's President Jim Everson. So regrettably, it is uh, coming up to an anniversary of the the challenge with uh, uh, seed blockage to China, um, and um, you know it's it, it's meant that in 2019 we had about 70 percent less of our uh, exports to to China, and that uh, you know amounts to to you know an estimated billion dollars in revenue to the producer when you consider the the, the uh, reduced exports and the reduced value of those exports as a result of China not being in the market. So it's a it's a significant impact on on Canadian producers. Give us the the latest on on talks and, and what's been happening to to try to resolve this situation. Well, the, you know, the government of Canada is very committed to to uh, this issue, and uh, the industry and government are working closely together. It's a complex issue because it's uh, it's not especially about canola, of course. It's about um, you know a number of political issues, and um, and so the the work with government has has I think proceeded. Um, well, the challenge that that we have is we're also trying to diversify into new markets, and and that includes the domestic biofuels market, and it includes uh, some uh, new markets and, and and new ways of getting into existing markets in Asia, and um, we're really trying to draw attention to to support that the, the government of Canada can provide uh, in supporting us in those markets. Talk a bit more about some um, some of the action that you would like to see uh, taken here going forward. Well, we've really drawn attention to biofuels. So there's, um, we've, we're we're asking that the government um, support a higher um, uh, commitment to the use of Canadian canola in the biofuels industry in Canada. Currently, there's a two percent mandate. So two percent of the diesel fuel used in Canada um, it requires a, a biofuels a renewable fuels component, and we are seeking uh, that being um, increased. And, um, you know, we see really as a win-win-win. It uh, reduces GHG emissions. It's a proven technology to take carbon out of the diesel pool. Um, And so, you know, that is clearly a a priority of this government, and and this is a way of doing it is to use uh, canola and soybeans to to reduce GHG emissions in diesel fuel. It makes use of Canadian canola products, obviously, so it provides a stable market for Canadian uh, producers free of global protectionist action that, that we find we're having in in various commodities and it builds value added in Canada it, it sets a signal for investment in processing and in in the Canadian marketplace so we think it's a very strong um, policy and that the, the, and we're seeking that uh, that the government of Canada address it as they design a new uh, clean fuel standard that was Jim Everson president of the Canola Council of Canada a look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up Good afternoon, I'm Corey Knute.
Protein Industries Canada, in partnership with an industry consortium, has announced an investment of $9.25 million into a project that will help improve on-farm logistics and food traceability through an integrated data platform. Here's CEO Bill Gruel. Protein Industries Canada, we've always taken what we call a value chain approach to the support of the research that we're doing with a consortium of companies. And this is an interesting one because it starts right at the start of the value chain with producers. And so there's elements of uh, production efficiency here. There's also an element of traceability. What we know today is that customers globally are wanting to know more about the food that they're consuming. They want to know more about the environmental footprint of the food that they're consuming. And they want to know more about the food safety and the nutritional value. And that all requires a good system of traceability. The investment marks the supercluster's fourth project announcement and the first focused on data. As the first anniversary of China's decision to block imports of Canadian canola approaches, the Canola Council of Canada is calling on the federal government to resolve the dispute and to support industry diversification efforts. Here's President Jim Everson. In 2019, we had about 70% less of our uh, exports to, to China, and that uh, you know, amounts to, to you know, an estimated billion dollars in revenue to the producer when you consider the reduced exports and the reduced value of those exports as a result of China not being in the market. It's a significant impact on, on Canadian producers. The Canola Council is urging the government to establish a stronger presence and more regular contact with regulators, and policymakers, especially in key Asian markets. And Prairie Wheat and Barley Commissions are raising concern over this week's announcement of a seed variety use agreement pilot project. The pilot will impose the trailing royalty collection mechanism on farm saved seed for two new wheat varieties and one soybean variety. Brett Halstead, chair of Sask Wheat, says he's disappointed by the move, saying they seem to be jumping ahead of the process. There's also some rumors that in the future they may include some public varieties. And we feel this is just getting a little ahead of the process because there's currently an ongoing government consultation process through Agriculture Agri-Food Canada and the CFIA with the industry as to what might be some of the best steps forward. Halstead notes the industry is also waiting to see the results of Ag Canada's economic analysis. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, February 28th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll get a Pulse Market Outlook. And up first, we'll have details on the fourth supercluster announcement made this week by Protein Industries Canada. Protein Industries Canada has announced another supercluster initiative. This one is worth $9.25 million. I got the details from CEO Bill Gruel. We're announcing our fourth project with Protein Industries Canada, and it's a consortium of companies coming together to really look at on-farm efficiency of production, but there's a really interesting component along with it, which is uh, improving traceability for uh, from, from the producers, from the farm gate right through to processing. Talk a bit more, you know, about the importance of, um, of traceability and, and just, you know, what, what that means here going forward. At Protein Industries Canada, we've always taken what we call a value chain approach to the support of the research that we're doing with a consortium of companies. And this is an interesting one because it starts right at the start of the value chain with producers. And so there's elements of uh, production efficiency here. But as you mentioned, there's also an element of traceability. What we know today is that customers globally are wanting to know more about the food that they're consuming. They want to know more about the environmental footprint of the food that they're consuming. 
and they want to know more about the food safety and the nutritional value. And that all requires a good system of traceability so that we can give consumers the information that they, that they want and need about the food that they're consuming. What's the uh, timeline on this project here? Uh, so this project will really get started this spring when, uh, when Coots Agro, which is the farmer partner of this project, actually it's the, one, of the, one of the projects that we have at Protein Industries Canada that involves uh, a primary producer, which is really exciting for us too. But it really gets started this spring when uh, seed starts to get into the ground, and uh, that's when we'll be doing uh, the work on field efficiency, but that's also when we start doing the work related to the traceability side of this project. Now, you mentioned this was the, uh, the fourth um, announcement. Um, how have the other um, uh, projects been coming along? Yeah, so like you say, this is the, the fourth project announcement. The second time we've been in Alberta, we've got announcements that we've made in, uh, in Manitoba and Saskatchewan as well. Those projects are well underway. There is some uh, really exciting work happening both in Manitoba and Alberta around processing technology, the work that we funded with uh, Merit Functional Foods and Botanico, and then the Corteva project that we announced in Saskatchewan in early January, which is really a breeding project, that's well underway as well. And I know that they're getting ready to take that project to the field for the first uh, cycle of breeding work this spring as well. That was Bill Gruel. He's the CEO of Protein Industries Canada. Saskatchewan Pulse Growers are hosting their annual winter meetings. Glenda Lee Allen Vosser had a chance to talk with Chuck Penner of Leftfield Commodity Research about his Pulse market outlook. Let's start with the pea market and set the stage for us as, as far as what we're seeing out there. Well, what we had in, in Canada was we had a little bit larger pea crop this year. So that was a, that was a little bit um, heavy on the market to start with. But we've seen just amazing demand again, the second year in a row from China. Uh, we had been a little nervous earlier on that they were going to back off a little bit, but that hasn't happened. But uh, they've been buying, you know, two million tons again this year in 2019, or well, the year we finished now, 2019. And so that has really helped save that kind of a market. Now, of course, there are some of these short-term risks with respect to uh, coronavirus and with respect to some of our rail issues here that we have in Western Canada. Uh, so those are those are short-term things, but but overall some steady strong demand there. Um, the other part is is that of course we can't ship any peas anymore. Nobody can ship peas to to India anymore, but we hadn't really counted on them being in the market anyway. So the fact that they're completely absent now uh, is you know isn't great, but it's it's not going to really cause any weight on the market. So uh, we're also seeing peas go to surrounding countries around India and they may be finding their way into into the country anyway. So one way or another we're we're exporting some good volumes of peas this year. How do you think that's going to reflect as far as acreage and what producers do on the ground? Well what we have is you know the new crop bids that we have for for green and yellow peas are just kind of mediocre. Uh, compared to where we've seen them in the last uh, the last couple of years, I guess. So they're not going to inspire a whole lot of interest from farmers. So my best guess is probably kind of flat acres. And, and that could actually help prices uh, longer term because, you know, if we have average yields and, and we continue to have strong demand, from especially from China, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see supplies tighten up a little bit more, 
again, based on kind of flat acres and average yields. We talked about the pea outlook. Let's move and talk about the lentil outlook. And again, set the stage for us as far as what we're dealing with here. What we've had this year is we've had India buying sizable volumes of lentils again. Even with the import tariffs that they have, they've been buying sizable volumes. But what has changed this year that has, has helped things considerably is the return of Turkey. Uh, Turkey kind of faded in the last few years. Then they've had uh, one or two crops, uh, smaller crops of their own. Uh, so they've returned as a larger buyer. So that has really, especially for reds, has been what gave us the boost earlier and, and might give us a little more strength again through the rest of the year. Uh, for green lentils, that kind of that kind of um, business is more widely spread, not just among a couple of countries. Uh, so it hasn't been affected as much, but... Uh, I think we'll I think we'll see a little bit of firmness there. It's backed off a little bit now because buyers have some coverage for the next little while, but I think they'll need to be back in yet before the end of the year. Ending stocks of lentils are going to be down. We've had two years ago we had just massive ending stocks. Last year they went down a little bit more. Uh, this year they'll go down uh, further again. And so, you know, that is going to provide some support. In terms of acreage, again, what I'm hearing for the most part is maybe a small increase in lentil acres, but not a big, a big, big boost. When it comes to the chickpea outlook, you talked about the fact we're seeing poor demand. We have a lot of supplies of chickpeas in Canada and in the U.S. That, that's something that we could normally work through. But, yeah, export demand for Canadian chickpeas has been... Has been very poor this year and and frankly you know we're, we have a lot more com- competition from places like Russia and um, and some other countries as well too so that's going to be a longer term kind of an outlook for that supplies to work their way lower and get resolved. I've been talking with Chuck Penner with Left Field Commodity Research for Golden West. I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. Thanks, Glenda Lee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. The FCC Young Farmer Summit takes place March 4th at Winnipeg's Victoria Inn. Also on March 4th, a kickoff to spring bull sale will take place at Maple Lake Stock Farms near Hartney. That'll start at 2 p.m. March 5th, Keystone Agricultural Producers is hosting its Young Farmers Conference. You can go to cap.ca for more information. The Prairie Organics Think Whole Farm 2020 Conference takes place March 5th and 6th at Brandon's Keystone Center. And Marmac Farms is hosting a bull sale March 11th starting at 1.30 p.m. You can find out more at marmacfarms.net. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Coming up in the next half hour, the general manager of the Manitoba Wheat and Barley Growers Association will weigh in on the Seed Variety Use Agreement pilot program that was announced this week. We'll also have another look at our farm news for today. Right now, it's 1 o'clock. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, Manitoba Wheat and Barley Growers Association has concerns about the Seed Variety Use Agreement pilot project that was announced this week. The pilot project was announced by the Seed Industry at the Prairie Grain Development Committee meetings held in Winnipeg. The program imposes the trailing royalty collection mechanism on farm-saved seed of selected crop varieties through a contract agreement. I got reaction from Pam Darachny, General Manager with Manitoba Wheat and Barley Growers. We 
were obviously part um, or attended the announcement in terms of the seed industry announcing their pilot project related to the seed variety use agreement. And I think we were just wanting to um, clarify to our members um, that we do have, you know, a number of concerns and questions about their recently announced pilot project um, and that it was, you know, it was introduced by um, the seed industry and not um, a project that we had been a part of or had collaborated with them on or were not party to. So I think we just had, you know, a number of questions and concerns and we were wanting to bring those forward um, to ensure that, um, you know, that that people became aware that we did have these concerns and questions regarding this announcement. I guess overall, is your group supportive of this or, or not? So, um, I mean, I um, like we understand this is an initiative that the seed industry has taken um, in terms of trying to move forward the discussion on value creation. And obviously value creation has been an ongoing um, discussion through various consultations over the past uh, several years. Um, there's obviously been discussion, if you look at the whole timeline, you know, for 12 years now in terms of how do, you, how do we create value or how, or to some, it's how do we, you know, capture value um, in, our, in our system and how do we increase investment to uh, breeding and variety development within Canada so that, you know, we remain competitive. Um, so, um, you know, when, the, when Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada and the Canadian Food Inspection Agency or CFIA launched their consultations around the two models proposed by the Grains Roundtable, um, we were engaged in that process and providing feedback and trying to, you know, educate um, members as to what those two models meant and those types of things, because obviously um, this was leading down potentially a path of regulatory reform. Um, so those consultations were put on hold with the federal election last year. Um, we had given every we were given every indication that those consult consultations would resume, that there'd be an economic analysis released, um, and we were waiting for that in terms of the next step. Um, so then, when the seed industry came forward with their uh, seed variety use agreement, um, we fear that it's going to cause confusion as to. Um, you know, is is this the path forward now? Um, and I mean, this pilot project is doing it through contract law and not through regulations. So we just feel it, it might add confusion as to the current consultation that was put on hold and what this, and how does this tie in now, this pilot project, w- with that. Um, so I think it's, it's creating a few questions and concerns as to the current consultation and what does that mean. Um, and we're just hoping that hopefully in the coming days and weeks we'll we'll get answers to those questions. That was Pam DeRockney. She's the general manager of the Manitoba Wheat and Barley Growers Association. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Canola seed exports to China were down approximately 70% in 2019 due to trade disruptions resulting in an estimated $1 billion in lost revenue from canola. Jim Everson is president of the Canola Council of Canada. The government of Canada is very committed to to, uh, this issue and uh, the industry and government are working closely together. It's a complex issue because it's uh, it's not especially about canola, of course. It's about, um, you know, a number of political issues. The work with government has, has, I think, proceeded... um, well, the challenge that that we have is we're also trying to diversify into new markets, and and that includes the domestic biofuels market, and it includes uh, some 
uh, new markets and, and, and new ways of getting into existing markets in Asia. As the first anniversary of China's decision to block imports of Canadian canola approaches, the Canola Council is calling on the federal government to resolve the dispute and to support industry diversification efforts. The federal government's consultation process is set to continue as it looks at a new seed royalty structure. This week, a new seed variety use agreement pilot project was announced that will impose a trailing royalty for two new wheat and one soybean variety. The move is raising concerns with the five Prairie Wheat and Barley Commissions. Brett Halstead, chair of Sask Wheat, says he's concerned by rumors that in the future they may include public varieties. These become public varieties that are included in this process before a consultation is completed. That would be extremely disappointing as producers have paid into those public varieties. And, uh, you know, the spirit and the intent of that is that farmers should be able to use that seed. Halstead notes the industry is also waiting to see the results of Ag Canada's economic analysis, which is set to be released shortly. And Protein Industries Canada has announced another super cluster initiative. Here's CEO Bill Gruel. We're announcing our fourth project with Protein Industries Canada, and it's a consortium of companies coming together to really look at on-farm efficiency of production, but there's a really interesting component along with it, which is uh, improving traceability for, uh, from, from the producers, from the farm gate right through to processing. The $9.25 million announcement was made yesterday in Calgary. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here on Monday, starting at 12 noon.